0: Buckeye talk another market down Monday quickly it's sweeping the nation this new trend that we've started this new uh feature that we've started here on Buckeye talk and it gets to be Doug Lane triumphant return to Buckeye talk after a week on furlough Doug was that a refreshing week away from Stephen and I I haven't yet had it because we're recording this like eight days early. <laughs> come on, keep trying that.
1: But I'm gonna anticipate that. Yes, I feel very refreshed.
0: <laughs> wait, wait! I'm trying to play. We're trying to do like Wizard of Oz. Like nobody can see behind the. You didn't even try to play the game. I <laughs> you will
2: you just say it away.
1: When we come back on the Tuesday pod, and it's actually after I'm done, oh, um, yes. and I'm actually back for real, I'm a little worried about how much I'm gonna miss talking because now we're doing five podcasts a week and like being off of work is good. I like talking. So I might just have to go outside and talk to nobody in my yard for 50 minutes a day. And I'll let you know if that's what I did on Tuesday.
0: I feel like when we're going to need to do like a Pam Beasley from the office, there's that episode where like, she's transferring Michael Scott's calls into him and she doesn't switch him over right away. She lets him say like the crazy, stupid thing. And then she's like, Oh no, it's still me. And then she puts a call through and he does better on the second try. Maybe for the Tuesday pod, we should let Doug start and then hit the record button after he's gone for about 15, 20 minutes and just let him get it all out of his system.
1: Could just do a whole fake podcast. Like you could be in charge of processing (laughs) the Tuesday one and be like, oh,
0: shoot, Doug. Oh, it didn't record. What a dummy I am. Boy, you were
1: really good on that one, Doug, but no one will ever hear it. Con Um, sarn it.
0: I guess we'll just have to record again. (laughs) Ah, the mental gymnastics to deal with me. I love it. Well, anyway, we're sending you off to your your week of uh, furlough paradise with, I think, um, a, a topic that's going to resonate really well with our tech subscribers. We, you know, as for those of you new to Market Down Mondays, and we are getting some new subscribers, some new followers. so we appreciate you guys jumping on board. But basically, you know, we put out a topic, and we've got to take a stand, and it's got to be we got to be specific about it. And this week's topic, I think, is one that um, you're all going to have some pretty. Strong opinions about, uh, those of you who are listening out there. I don't know if our opinions are as – we're not as emotionally tied to this this question, so curious to see what, what you guys are going to say. But uh, as this happened a couple of weeks ago, this question comes from – and I'm doing this uh, in true Doug Larry Emery's fashion. I forgot to bring up the text question. Ah, here it is. This question came to us from one of our tech subscribers. What year will Michigan next beat Ohio State? Clean and to the point. When will Michigan beat Ohio State again?
1: Not a T-shirt slogan for a, for Buckeye Talk. Clean <laughs> no. and to the point. Rejected slogans for Buckeye Talk.
0: Although this one did come with the slogan. This is from the nine three seven. Did this was when you were asking for slogans, and it came with Buckeye Talk, a five star podcast, mostly because stars don't matter, yes, which I was thought good. was was tremendous. Steven, I want to start with you. You have some some connections to the Michigan fan base close to you, from what I Ooh. remember. You grew up in Columbus. You know this rivalry. It's in your blood maybe in a way that it's not for some of us just from where you grew up, not because necessarily you're an Ohio State fan. Yeah. So is this a question that you think Ohio State fans will consider with fear? Do they – because at some point this ha- – Michigan has to win again
2: someday, right? They do, and I don't know if fear is the word. It might not even be anywhere in that in that stratosphere. Just from the tone of how they just like straight went for it, it sounds like it's just more – of boredom, of when are they going to make this competitive again? Because, you know, it's obviously, as an Ohio State fan, you want Ohio State to win every year. But it's, you know, it's getting to the point where outside of maybe that 2016 season where a marked spot with the ball maybe could have changed some things, this has been a one-sided rivalry since Urban Meyer stepped on the campus. And really since Jim Trestle stepped on the campus, it's been a one-sided rivalry. So I think it's it's less fear and just more – When is this going to be fun again for everybody where we can really talk about this in a competitive way?
0: So, Doug, from the time that uh, uh, Steve and I have been covering the team, this rivalry has not been especially close, obviously. I've only been here one season. He's been here two. Like, give us some perspective on what it's like when this rivalry is at its best and either of these teams can win one of these games. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I've never lived that. You've covered Michigan beating Ohio State. Once. Yeah, literally. And you've covered some. Once. And you've covered some, but you've also covered some closer games. I covered I think the 2006
1: I'm... game that was one versus two. I mean, that was like the entire football world was centered on Ohio State-Michigan, one versus two. That was a 42-39 game. I covered 2005, Troy Smith, the helicopter pass to Anthony Gonzalez. Then Rich Rod got here. He stunk. It wasn't close yeah. for a while. Um, 2013. I mean, even that's since, that's the thing. There, there were some, at least two close games with Urban Meyer. Uh, and more than that, actually. I mean, put like three or four. 2013, two-point conversion attempt to yeah. win it. That's Tyus true. Powell intercepts. That's Urban Meyer's second year. Um, double overtime in 2016, as Stephen mentioned. You know, 2018, everybody thought Michigan was favored. Everybody thought Michigan was going to win. They didn't. It wasn't close, but the week building up to it was close. It was two competitive teams. But I've written about this, and I've I've complained about this, that it hasn't been – any kind of an equal rivalry since Earl Bruce left because Earl Bruce, I think was five, four, and one against Michigan. Is that right? No, that was, it was five, four, and one in the 10 year war. Earl was, I'll look it up. Earl, I think was five and four, but that's, it was balanced back and forth. Then we had Michigan dominate and Cooper wins twice. And now we've had Ohio state dominate. So it hasn't been, a balanced rivalry in more than a generation. It's just been unbalanced both ways, kind of equally, and now even more unbalanced toward Ohio State. It's been longer that way. So I wish. I mean, you know, that's not what this debate is. Do you wish it was a closer rivalry? Ohio State fans love it, but I would, I would love it. I think the Ohio, the ideal Ohio State Michigan rivalry is every year they're both good, every year you're not sure who's going to win, and in a 10-year period, it's 5-5. To me, that's the rivalry at its best. And it
0: hasn't been that way for, like, more than 30 years. It leads me into my next question. And I know most of our readers, if not all of you, are familiar with these numbers. I'm going to run through them real quick. Ohio State has an eight-game winning streak in this series and 14 of the last 15 games that were actually count. Um, Michigan won in 2011. The 2010 game was vacated. But they had won six we in a row vacate before. We don't think that, though. We don't think okay, so no, We don't we
2: think remember, We remember so 15 everything.
0: in the last 16 games. Yeah, we remember um, everything here. 15 last 16, Michigan winning by a touchdown in 2011 in Ann Arbor. And as Doug just alluded to, the last two seasons, Ohio State wins by a combined score of 118 to 66. Not especially close, obviously. And this, one of the things that kind of dawned on me as I was thinking about this topic was how, how good it is for college football and the Big Ten, and probably especially the Big Ten. They, the Big Ten needs this rivalry to get better get closer, get more competitive. Do you disagree with that statement, Stephen?
2: No, I agree, because then it's almost as if November 28th could be a, you know, a play-in game for that final, for a playoff position, a playoff spot. If if these two teams are at their best and, you know, amongst the best teams in the country, now this is, you know, this is your showdown for who gets into the playoff.
0: I mean, that's kind of what this game is supposed to be. It's supposed to be end of the regular season. You, this game is, if depending on what's happened with Penn State or whoever else, boom, both teams would have already played them by that point. It's the last game of the regular season. So this game could be the one that decides who goes to the Big Ten championship game and more to the point, which one stays in playoff contention and which one comes out. Now that's going to probably change in a few years when you go to eight, it opens things up a little bit more. But but right now that's kind of what's, what's an important thing I think is missing from the Big Ten in that there is not that – Second consistent challenger to Ohio State. That's the, the it, Michigan has kind of abdicated that position.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the point is, and to double check, just I, I should know this off the top of my head. Earl Bruce five and four against Michigan. John Cooper obviously two ten and one. Um, but Earl Bruce was right there nine and three. Earl oh nine and three. Earl beat Michigan more than he lost to him. I guess I would ask in the modern era as it stands. What has the Big Ten or what has Ohio State, what actually has been lost by Ohio State winning 15 of the last 16, which basically covers, I mean, which is college football has changed so much, but that's the modern college football era. There's some BCS stuff before that with the end of Coop and that kind of thing, but has really anything, has anything been lost or has just Ohio State's the team, that's it. They're the one team that competes on a national level out of the Big Ten. They've been in the mix often enough, you know. In that stretch, they won two titles. They lost two other national title games. Were in the playoff two other times. They've been right there. Who cares if Michigan stinks? What? Like what? Would it, would the Big Ten get in the playoff more if? Michigan was better? Would Ohio State have gotten in a couple of those times they were close and didn't get in? Like, I I want the rivalry to be better. But what actually has been the tangible negative of Ohio State dominating the last 16 years?
0: Well, I think the prestige of the Big Ten is compromised a little bit. And we talked about this in a pod uh, just this past week about how in the SEC, every year, it may be Auburn one year, maybe Florida, maybe Georgia, it may be Texas A&M, but you would think that there's always going to be that second team that is kind of nipping at the heels of, of Alabama's level. LSU, obviously, last year winning a national championship, one of the great seasons of all time. And I feel like right now in the Big Ten, it does not feel like that. It's not as bad as with Clemson and the ACC, where they're just walking through. But I we talked last week, one of the people asked us a question, will the Big Ten ever be able to replicate the – respect essentially that the sec has will they ever be able to be thought of that same way and i think until michigan becomes more becomes closer to ohio state's level i don't think that can happen
2: i'm going to use the big 12 as a better example i think it's made it hard for the one loss big 10 champ in a way that the big 12 doesn't have to deal with when you've seen that, who's the second
1: best team in the big 12
2: probably texas really texas Maybe. blows
1: yeah I, I, to me, if your comparison is the Big Twelve and the I Big think, Ten, it's, it's well, exactly I, the same. Right, Ohio but, but State every, and Oklahoma are dominant, right, and their seen, rival sucks.
2: Right, but we've seen the one-loss Big Ten, Big Twelve champ get in over the one-loss Big Ten champ multiple times.
1: But but what's your point about Michigan? How is the Big Twelve? How, how does the Big Twelve have better depth or a better consistent number two team? Than I, think the Big if 10? Mich,
2: I think if Michigan was a was. A, the gap was not as wide between Ohio State and Michigan. That one of uh, some of those times where it swung one lost Big 12 champ over one lost Big 10 champ, it was swung the other way.
1: I think it's a bad comparison. I actually think the Big 12 and Oklahoma and Ohio State and the Big 10 are exactly the same, and Texas and Michigan are exactly the same. And I'm trying to think when did it, what what year are you referencing that a, what, one lost Big 12 champ got in ahead of a one lost Big 10 champ? Because the one year in 2017, Oklahoma got in. And Ohio State didn't because they beat them on the field. And in 2016, when they played 18 and they had one loss. Mm -hmm. But it was Ohio State's loss was worse, right? It's because it was people thought it was a terrible loss to Purdue.
2: Yeah, I think that might have been it too.
1: But the Um, reason Oklahoma got in isn't because Texas is good, right?
2: No, but also I think that I do think that your conference also has a role in it.
1: I don't know. The Big Ten's better. Do people think the Big Ten, the general perception of people in college football and more importantly, the playoff committee, is the Big Ten perceived as better than the Pac-12 and the Big 12 right now or not?
0: Yes, but I think that there is still a – I think they're closer to those levels in perception than the SEC. Is it
1: perceived as better than the ACC? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think the Big Ten is perceived – As the second best conference already and if the argument is we did have the argument as you mentioned nathan on a recent podcast catching the sec well of course michigan being better would help you do that but i think there's a couple other things that have to come into play too and to the point of nathan that you're you're talking about have there been multiple teams that have jumped up penn state beat ohio state in 2016 should have gone to the playoff Michigan State did beat Ohio State in 15. They played a a playoff playoff game between Michigan State and Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game. The winner was going to get in the playoff. Wisconsin has been a playoff contender when it got to the Big Ten Championship game multiple times in this era. Ohio State has beaten them, but Wisconsin has been in the mix. There have been a couple other Big Ten teams who have jumped up here and there. To fill the gap by Michigan. No one has done it consistently. And of course, Michigan being good would be would help all of that. But I don't I don't know. And like I'm almost I'm sort of being a devil advocate a devil's advocate here. It's like I want the Michigan rivalry and with Ohio State. I want it to be better. And I wish Michigan was better consistently, and it I think would benefit everybody if they were. But in terms of like, has it really truly hurt the Big Ten? That I just think I might quibble with.
0: I suppose, yeah, again, we get into these semantic arguments all the time. I guess there is maybe a difference between does it hurt the Big Ten and would it unquestionably help the Big Ten if it were the opposite? Those are two different questions. But I, I just, uh, to me, in terms of like if Michigan could more consistently elevate itself into where people expect them, you know, going into last season, Michigan, there were people who thought Michigan was going to be better than Ohio State. We were all picking, or a lot of us were picking Michigan to, to beat Ohio State or, or win the division or a lot of other people in media, even in Ohio State media, were doing that. So it, there's a perception out there that Michigan should be at a very, at a similar level and the result keeps coming either head to head against Ohio State or really the balance of Michigan's schedule too, keeps coming up short of that.
1: I don't think Ohio State should, I don't think Michigan should be as good as Ohio State. I think like in the end, there are enough things in place that it makes sense to me that overall Ohio State is consistently better. But as we sort of talked again recently with Alabama and Auburn in the last 10 years, Alabama is six and four against Auburn, Right. Ohio State is kicking Michigan's butt. Ohio State is 15 and 1 against Michigan in the last 16. I don't as much as I said I think the ideal world is 5 and 5. I don't know that that's realistic anymore. So in the last 16 years, I don't know that saying well it should be 8-8 in the last 16 years. I don't I don't know if that's I just think Ohio State might have too many built-in advantages. It shouldn't be 15 to 1. Maybe it should be 10-6. Yeah. Maybe it should, it should
0: be 10-6. 11-5.
1: It be well, 15 I, to one for and sure it shouldn't
0: it shouldn't be 118 to 66 either
1: and the, and the score of the last two years well that's i mean if we're, the nitty-gritty of when is michigan going to have a defense that can stop the ryan day ohio state offense that is like the looming singular on the field year to year question that hangs over this rivalry right now because when they've hung 62 and 56 the last two years and two years ago it was supposed to be this great michigan defense and ryan day's game plan, slice Don Brown apart, what's, when's that going to change? That's the number one thing. We can focus on Josh Gaddis and Jim Harbaugh changing the offense. If Michigan can't stop Ohio State, they're never going to beat Ohio State. And so until they find a way to hold Ohio State to 40, can you hold them to 40? Then it's a moot point.
0: Well, let's get right into the predictions, because I'm sure that we, we probably all have um, ways that we're going to try to back this up and kind of expound on the points we're already making. And, Doug, I'm going to start with you, since you obviously, I feel like, have probably thought this through pretty, uh, pretty deep. When will Michigan beat Ohio State again?
1: So I, at times, I think, I'm, I'm sure I picked Michigan to beat him in 2018. I'm pretty sure I picked him in 2016. I think I made the point in 2016, if not now, when? There were a lot of things with Michigan was a really veteran team that year. We know Ohio State was really young, like just a lot of things in play, and that game was really close. So as much as I, what else is new? I come up with a gigantic reason to scream at people about something, and then in the end, I completely flip-flop and go the other way with my actual answer. Uh, my answer is 2021 and i have i have a a talent on the field reason for that and i have a hey isn't this an interesting historical pair comparison to that one of those uh, the, fir- the the latter is 2021 will be ryan day's third season as ohio state's head coach uh, jim tressel's only loss to michigan was in his third year and it wasn't cuz ohio state was bad it's cuz uh, michigan was good and that was the last time that a good Michigan team beat a good Ohio State team because Michigan's only other win was in the lost year of 2011 and Ohio State still almost won that game. So that game, it's Ohio State's number four, Michigan's number five, Ohio State's the defending national champ. They only, they had one previous loss. They lost to Wisconsin earlier that year. They go on and win their bowl game. Ohio State's really good that year. They're the defending national champs and they're really good. Ohio State's four, Michigan's five, and Michigan at home wins 35-21. So how about the idea of Ohio State being the de- defending national champion, still being really good, but it's hard to win every single time. So Urban Meyer got out with a zero in the loss column against Michigan. As great as Jim, Dres- Jim Trestle was, he wasn't perfect. He had one. So I think 2021, and my prediction is that Ryan Day will be 40-1 and 1 as Ohio State's head coach going into that Michigan game. He will lose to Michigan and be fired the day after the game. <laughs> he will out of no, favor no, 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 because no. the standard is so high <laughs> that if you lose to Michigan once in 18 years, you've got to change head coaches.
2: They leave him in Ann Arbor. <laughs>
0: that is a completely hysterical reinterpretation of the point that Steven and I were trying to make.
2: That was a great story. On last week's
0: podcast, if totally those, those of you who – Need some context for that. Go back and listen to Thursday's podcast from last week.
2: That was really the Friday's
0: up. podcast when Doug reads the uh, response from the readership as to who agreed with who on that.
1: And my short answer on the actual reason is uh, the 2021 season. That'll be the third year. Often, I think the most important guys on your roster are the third year guys, right? Because nobody can go to the NFL yet. You know, that's when Chase Young and Jeff Okuda and J.K. Dobbins were all third year guys last season. Once you get to the fourth year your best players from a recruiting class are gone because they're already in the NFL. So I think a lot of what you do as a team is often defined by your third year guys. 2021 Ohio state's third year guys will be the 2019 class. And that's the dip. That's the lowest rated class recently for Ohio state. We know how highly rated the 17 and 18 classes were. The 20 class was fifth in the country. We know this 21 class is probably going to be first in the country. 2019, it's a smaller class. It was the changeover class. They had four studs in that class: Garrett Wilson, Zach Harrison, Harry Miller, and Jameson Williams, right? Who are gonna be juniors in 2021? The there's only a seven. There's only 17 guys in that class. The other 13 guys in that class, and you can go online and look at them. There's a lot of maybes. There's a lot of like I'm yeah. not exactly sure how that guy's gonna make an impact. So I think it's possible that will be a third-year talent dip for Ohio State. It will be a new quarterback with Justin Fields gone. And if Dylan McCaffrey wins the job or whoever wins the job for at Michigan quarterback in 2020, I think we anticipate being the quarterback also in 2021. So we'll have a more experienced quarterback. So I think there's some possible stuff with the one-year. We talk about the talent gap so much. I think that might be a quick blip. That adds to Michigan's chances of winning. Also, it's in Ann Arbor. That is way down the list. I think, you know, like Michigan feeling like underdogs in Columbus, I think they have just as much of a chance to win in Columbus. But, you know, all things being equal, history, talent dip, more veteran quarterback and being at home, I just think there might be some things that line up in 21.
0: Before we get into our answers, uh, Stephen, I, I, I'm curious. Doug says way down the list for the location of the game as to who he was going to pick to win. How much did you take that into consideration? Because I did take home field into consideration for my pick.
2: Oh, I took home field 100% of my in my why I picked why I picked and like to not even to get it completely on you know, pick, but that's why I picked the year a year that Michigan's going to be at home because I don't think they're going to get it at Ohio Stadium.
0: And what year is that?
2: I picked 2025. And part of the reason I picked that is because...
1: Odd years are in Michigan?
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: So you part think of, it can't happen in Columbus, so you only said odd years in your consideration?
2: I did. Okay. I, I just think, it, obviously, it's always is easier when I'm home on the road. I think Larry Johnson, I think, is not to put somebody into retirement, but I think in, sometime in these next five years, he's going to be... Thinking about it and like in a scenario where he does decide that he's done, he doesn't want to do this anymore. There's now going to be a drop off in recruiting defensive line because it's you don't have the come play for probably the best defensive line coach ever anymore here. There's obviously going to be other turnover with on the coaching staff because that's just what happens. And also this 2021 recruiting class that's blowing away recruiting rankings right now. Most of those guys won't be here other than the guys at the bottom who are probably fifth year guys. That's, I think Michigan's window when some of the recruiting might, be, might take a little blip as you know, they try to replace some legends on the staff where Michigan has been you know steadily recruiting at a certain level. that might be the spot where they can hop in and, and get and catch Ohio State slipping.
0: So if it's another, if it doesn't happen until 2025, that means we've got five more wins coming. So that would be a 13-game winning streak,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and what I said that'd be 20 out of 21 in the series. But the 13-game winning streak, if we get to that point, is there any chance that Jim Harbaugh is still Michigan's head coach?
2: No, I don't 20, think. 25 Jim, game. No, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is going to be the coach that does it.
1: Jim Harbaugh almost did it in 2016. I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks there's a, again, all this stuff, you can always spin sports discussions when you're talking about the future. You can spin it the way you want. Part of me thinks like he wouldn't leave if he didn't beat Ohio state at least once. So like on, on one hand, it's like voluntarily, the more he loses, (laughs) you know, but again, it just depends to you. uh, What's the line for Michigan, right? John Cooper was two, 10 and one. John Cooper wasn't two, five and one. John Cooper got 13 years to stink against Michigan, 13 years. And he had no connection to Ohio State before he got here. was some guy from who coached at Arizona State and Tulsa. He got 13 years, and like we're gonna boot Harbaugh for losing to Ohio State when he's he's practically Bo's kid. I don't
0: know. This is a tricky question, and and, and uh, we we talked last week a little bit about Jim Harbaugh and his personality in response to another question, and I don't want to get too far into. Some kind of some bashing here, but I, I, last week he did an interview with Mike Tirico, and and it came up. I think he said something like, "There's no no loss upsets us more than Ohio State or something along those lines." I don't have the exact quote in front of me, and um, kind of contradictory to some things that like you know Justin Fields kind of famously said he during the post game press conference at the at the Michigan game last year that he had friends on the team, guys he talked with, and they don't talk about. They don't seem to to care about the game as much as Ohio State does <clears throat> at least not in a year-round capacity so do, do you guys feel like there's sincerity from uh, from Harbaugh that this game does wear on them in, in a severe way or is it something he's kind of saying now to try to save some face
1: I mean I think he says stuff to get through an interview I mean like I don't I mean he cares about it he clearly cares about it but it's like I think he my guess on him is that like he, he probably cares about it a lot internally, but I think he's reluctant to express it externally. You know, so like maybe this was a time when he expressed it externally. But again, and we've talked about this a lot, if you very vocally and publicly at Michigan define yourself by the Ohio State-Michigan game, then you are defining yourself as a loser. So the easier thing to do is act like it's not as big of a deal. It still probably really hurts him inside, but you can celebrate the 10 win seasons and not act like your rivalry is the be all end all. And I don't know. I mean, this is where, you know, I've been here a long time. I wasn't here in the Cooper era. So I don't know what Ohio state fans did in terms of did they internalize the hurt, but try to act like it wasn't as big of a deal. You know, I think a lot of people always had criticisms of Cooper of, of he didn't take it as seriously as you should, but Sometimes when you can't win something, your best chance is to downplay it. So he understands the rivalry. There's no doubt about that. So I think it does get to him. But I think strategically still it remains to his advantage to to not publicly admit that all the time, even if he did it this time. I agree with that.
0: So my prediction, uh, again, this is the second market on Monday in a row. I had the same prediction as Doug and I chose twenty twenty one. The, the fact that it will be Ann Arbor was uh, not the only reason, but it was a reason why I thought it would be a, a greater chance that Michigan could jump up and, and win one of these games. But there were some other factors here and that, that go kind of deeper into the roster. And Doug already touched on a lot of them, so I'm not going to rehash everything. But I was looking back over the recruiting rankings. Um, something came up on, on the pod last week where we were talking about uh, this this similar question, and, and Stephen talked about made a reference to Michigan needs to be more in Ohio state's ballpark recruiting wise. I'm like, well, I think they kind of are already in the ballpark and it doesn't seem like it because of what the results on the field seem like looking back at the two, four, seven rankings over the past few years, 2017, Michigan was fifth nationally, 2018, they were 22nd, 2019, they were eighth, 2020, they were 14th. So not in the top five, not in the, not in the era that Ohio state, kind of feels like it needs to be in every year and and certainly is is starting to maybe even pull away farther with what they're doing for 2021 and beyond but not down at the bottom of the big 10 not wallowing in the 30s 40s I mean other other than you know that's two top 10 classes that's a top five class I I feel like that was kind of part of my uh frustration with the rivalry as an as an uh, unpassionate non-passionate observer is that I feel like maybe Michigan's results have not equated to the talent they've been bringing in and kind of following up on that. I also see when would Ohio state maybe be most vulnerable and, and Steven, I think makes a good point as far as trying to project it out beyond when the, the nucleus of the Ohio state apparatus has maybe started to uh, come apart a little bit or just move along, you know, Larry Johnson retires and, and other people move along, other coaches move along to other jobs. And this thing starts to get changed over a little bit. And that's where maybe a vulnerability could happen. But I also see maybe potentially a more immediate vulnerability just for next season. You're looking at the potential Ohio State players that could be gone after this year. I would argue, the, the, depending on how highly you rank the receivers, potentially the three best players on offense, Justin Fields, just, uh, Josh Myers, and Wyatt Davis. And then even on top of that, if Chris Olave has the kind of season that some people think he could, I've seen mock drafts that have Chris Olave as a first-round pick for next year. So those guys, plus Trey Sermon, plus Thayer Munford, plus maybe both of your top two tight ends, depending on the kind of season that Jeremy Rockert has. So a potentially significant shift of of talent off of the offense and, and quarterback being replaced by a first-time starter, either, as Doug said, one of the two, guys who are battling for the backup job this year, or maybe common Accord coming in as a true freshman now having to go up to Ann Arbor with a, a potential season on the line. And then obviously, you know, losing all three linebackers, losing Sean Wade, um, you lose Haskell Garrett off the defensive line. Um, and maybe some other guys if they if they break through. So I, it, I think there's a, there's a combination here. Oh, and also, I think this is important too, for a game that if, if, if you think it's going to be a close game at all, and you're going on the road, um, you're going to have a new kicker and punter again in, um, in 2020, not something that changes the balance of a season, but can change a game. If, if you don't bring in a guy who's as good as the guys you're losing loose. So I feel like there's a, there is a potential vulnerability, just in terms of talent. I think it starts, to, I think those things start to equate a little bit for 2021 between Ohio State and Michigan. And the fact that you're going on the road up to Ann Arbor, I think could be the kind of thing that we get another close kind of the game that I think Doug and I, and I'm sure Steven will probably agree, the kind of game that we want from this rivalry as again, dispassionate observers a really great close hard-fought college football game with something on the line that decides what happens in the following few weeks i think that we could get that in 2021 and, and I mean, again, this,
1: we right, have right. had it a couple times right 16 was that mm-hmm. 13 was right. that that there have been even while michigan is losing 15 out of 16 they've been close multiple times
2: to the point, just to speak on my, my comment with being in the ballpark recruiting wise i'm not speaking to just a I'm speaking to the fact that in 2020, Mookie Cooper is the sixth best player in Ohio State's recruiting class. He would be the best player in Michigan's 2020 recruiting class. And it's going to be – it's a recurring theme in 2021, and obviously it's very early in 2022. But the way things have started, that might end up being the case in 2022, where you're six or seven guys down the list at Ohio State, and he would still be the best player in Michigan's recruiting class.
0: That's an important clarification, and, and uh, I, I appreciate that. I will say I'm, I'm a little hesitant to, to take to to, ex- to take 2021 and spread it over too much yet. Because, again, I still think what Ohio State's doing in 2021 is is it's hard to compare it to too many other years that's right fair. now. But, Doug, I think you were about to make a point as well.
1: Well, again, that's why just to, to lean into sort of the 2019 recruiting again, Michigan in 2019, and, again, the third-year guys. The guys who will be the third-year guys in 21. 2019 class – Michigan had 26 players in that class. So it's big. That's part of the reason they were ranked so high. They were ranked eighth. The average player rating in that class, 90.78. Ohio State's 2019 class, 17 players. So nine fewer players. Their average player rating, 91.87. So Ohio State still has better talent on average, right? So it's like, well, what's the big deal? It's just that Michigan's closer that year than in any other year. For instance, that's 2019. In 2018, Ohio State's average player rating was 94.29. Michigan's average player rating was 88.75. So the 2018 class, the average player rating difference is five and a half points. In 2019, it's one point. So I actually think one of the things that will factor into this, I think it's almost like the better Ohio State's 2020 season is, and the better some of these 2018 defenders in particular play, yes, it yeah. lessens the chances of Ohio State winning in 2021. Because like, if Tyreek Smith is awesome in 2020 and he's not here in 2021, then it makes it harder for Ohio State to win. If, if, if Taraja Mitchell or Seven Banks or if a bunch of these defenders pop and leave, then there's going to be more of a talent gap. If, the, if a bunch of these 2018 guys are good in 2020 but not great, then I'm saying, oh, this, these third-year guys. Then Ohio State's going to have a bunch of fourth-year guys back from that 2018 class, which was second-ranked in the country. And then maybe maybe that gap closes on Michigan. So it's almost – but there's, it's the ebb and flow of college football. So, you know, do you not want seven banks to be great? No. If you're an Ohio State fan, you want seven banks to be an All-American but then you might only get them as a one-year starter. So I think that's why you have to really see with so many question marks among these third-year Ohio State guys from the 2018 class, so much of what they do in 2020 is going to affect everything about 2021 and whether Ohio State is kind of young or really young.
0: Yeah. it's like So I I read that list of the presumptive starters who we know we're going to leave or we strongly believe will in the case of people like Myers and Davis. But that didn't include Teron Benson, didn't include Tyreek Smith, didn't include Seven Banks, didn't include Josh Proctor. I mean, there's there's a list of guys, um, and there's probably some of them leaving off, that you could see them having the kind of breakthrough that then jets them off to another level. I suppose even Nicholas petit frere you could put on that list as one of those really, really highly ranked 2018 guys that hasn't popped yet. But if he does, maybe he's a tackle. Maybe that shoots him out there. I mean, who knows? So – that's kind of what I just feel like for 2021. I know that only seems like it's it's only next year. It just seems like there's a vulnerability there, and I think Michigan also has some things going for it that can exploit it. You know, they've um, if Dylan McCaffrey is back next year. I mean, there's there's people talking about him being at some kind of dark horse Heisman candidate for this year, but if he doesn't hit and and it comes back for another year, um, you know, is that could he? You, if, if that happens, then now you've got a guy, a second-year starter going up against, at home, going up against Ohio State's true freshman or, or redshirt freshman starter at that point. Just some other some other things that I think that, that – and so I'm, I'm going to be curious when I put this question out to our subscribers, how many of them hear us say Michigan's going to win in 2021, and how many of them – uh bristle at that as like a a, a potentially big setback or how many of them maybe see it as just realistically it's time for these for this for at least one time for michigan to finally get the better of this rivalry
1: i mean the it's such a different question the question of when will michigan finally win one versus like when will michigan make it an equal rivalry is like obviously a completely different question so it just it's one of those things again it's like what we're talking about is like Jim Trussell was nine and one. He wasn't 10 and 0. Urban Meyer was seven and 0, which is ridiculous. But like, there's a lot of ways where, you know, Ryan Day might end up being 12 and one against Michigan. But that means there's a one somewhere. So uh, to the point of home and road and the the 10 year war, which is the last time that this was in, uh, well, I mean, Earl was equal to, but the 10 year war between 1969 and 1978, the 10 years that Woody and Bo went against each other, Woody's five, four, and one in that. So there's a tie. The the nine games that weren't a tie, the home team was six and three. So the home team did win more than the visiting team, but at a time when the programs were pretty equal, the visitors still got it done sometimes. And I just think a lot of times in the rivalry, you get the reverse, the gladiator effect of you and your guys against the world. And that's why it's just, I mean, to more, it's, me about, it's about talent gap. It's about scheme and coaching and that kind of thing. And I've always said, I don't think the home field advantage at Ohio stadium is that gigantic. Um, 2016 was in Ohio stadium and Michigan played them snap for snap and comes down to the spot. Um, And, and Ohio state, you know, has clearly shown it can go to Michigan and win. So it's like, I just, I don't know. I'm skeptical sometimes of the home field advantage of college football because lots of times when you point to stuff, it's like, well, good teams have good home records. They have good records everywhere. So like, of course, there's some at least there's always some minor home field advantage. But I just think it's really about when could you possibly see enough of a talent dip to see the impact. And that's what Stephen's talking about down the roads. Nathan, that's what you and I are talking about now. But if I saw a talent dip coming in 22, I would have picked 22. It just so happened that I think the dip more lines up with the year that it's in Ann Arbor.
0: Stephen, did you consider 2021 as an answer here?
2: I did just simply because of those reasons that we we were discussing. What if his 2018 class pops in 2020 and all of a sudden a lot of these guys aren't coming back. So now you're asking a, I'm not going to say depleted 2019 class, but a less than standard of what Ohio State is built in recruiting in 2019 just because it was the, you know, the handoff year. And so some things with Haywire also with a 2020 class, a lot of those guys now are sophomores having to step up at the roles, maybe bigger than what you would expect from a guy in their second year with Michigan maybe being the more experienced team also with maybe there's a, a first year starting quarterback who, who might just be a true freshman as well, depending on who wins the battle. It makes a lot of sense why 21 could also be a year where Michigan can pop up and get a win.
0: I would also say there's another possible answer, which is that these 2018 defenders don't pop in 2020 and we find that they're just not that good. <laughs> and then that's the still yeah. the nucleus of the defense for 2021 and, and, Michigan knocks those guys off that way.
2: so Yeah, but then you're also – because, I mean, the 2018 defense wasn't good either, but it's, you know, can Michigan keep up scoring with Ohio State at that point? And like, it, that comes down to can Michigan stop Ohio State, which it's proven the last few years that it can't. So that's a situation of who can who can outscore the other team. And I think Ohio State, with the way that they've played the last few years, has proven that, you know, Ohio State wins that battle of who can score more points.
0: Doug, anything else you'd like to add before we uh, – Launch, put you into the cannon and launch you off into the furlough.
1: No, but again, people listening to this, I'm back from furlough.
0: Right, but as you as you, we don't wanna, very you can't annoyingly, the, you you very annoyingly said game. at the top, you're not on furlough yeah, yet.
2: You can't but ruin the game me. and then try to ruin the game. <laughs> no,
1: I know, but like, but I don't want to say – I'm not going to say goodbye in this podcast because I'm back, baby. I'm back. So – I mean, I'll talk to you guys. Well, why did you
0: say that in the first place when I set you oh. up for it at the
1: beginning? I set it there on a T and then you bunted. I'm not gonna lie to my people. I'm not gonna lie to my people and try to pretend. I'm, but I'm, but I'm also not gonna say, "See you later. I'm going on furlough" because everybody's gonna be like, "Oh my God, he's gone for two weeks." So I'm back. I'm assuming I was refreshed. Uh, I will eagerly listen to Nathan and Stephen on the four podcasts that you already heard because last week already happened, even though it hasn't happened in our real lives yet, but I'm glad to be back. And if I ever have to go on furlough again, I might just invite tech subscribers to come hang out in my driveway and have me talk at them for free because I'm just very worried about where, what I'm going to do with all this, all the thing that I, all the stuff that you guys have to take into your ears. I just, I don't know if I made it through a week not being able to do that.
2: Buckeye Talk, where we're difficult for no reason whatsoever.
0: <laughs> I, I, I fully encourage Doug to give his home address out to our Doug Yeah, subscribers. you can do think That can only end well. Um, I would also say if people want to go listen to uh, – go on YouTube, find the Mr. Show sketch, uh, the pre-taped call-in show. I think it fits in very well with the uh, last – three minutes a nice companion piece for the last three minutes of this podcast but with that we are going to head off the break and then we're going to come back we're going to talk about what our tech subscribers had to say about this topic when will michigan finally beat ohio state again come back on buckeye talk we're back on buckeye talk it is mark it down mondays we have marked it down when will michigan beat ohio state again i said 2021 dougley marie said 2021 stephen Mean said 2025. So all in the relatively near future, though 2025 is still a ways out there, um, it says that this winning streak is going to keep going for the Buckeyes for a while in the the best rivalry in the Big Ten, if not in all of college sports. Now it's time for our readers to mark it down. And we've got a, a wide range, a wide, a wide array, I should say, of answers to this question. By the way, for those listening, uh, Doug Lamar, he's not on the second half of this podcast. We recorded the first part with him. We're recording the second half without him. And so it'll just be Stephen and I reacting to what you have to say. But really, we're going to let the subscribers speak for themselves because there's some great answers in here. One vote from the 419. Mark it down. I think it's this year. I think Ohio State is not going to be as good as this year as everyone thinks, and I think that the rivalry is getting to the point where Ohio State may be taking it for granted that they will beat Michigan every year. Some players' tweets have recently rubbed me the wrong way, where I don't think they take Michigan as seriously as they should, and I think UM's win is more likely to happen when the national media is not backing them up, i.e. this year. So a, a Michigan team, a combination of a Michigan team that doesn't come in with high expectations, although a lot can change over the first 11 weeks of a college football season as far as how teams are seen relative to each other. And then a, an Ohio State team that this subscriber feels is getting a little bit cocky and a little bit, maybe not cocky, but overlooking the uh, taking, taking for granted that they're going to beat Michigan on a yearly basis. What would a Michigan win over Ohio State? We can kind of picture it, right? What consequences that would have for the kind of season Ohio State wants to have in 2020.
2: It would ruin the season, let's just be honest here, because, one, it's, it's, it's Michigan ending that drought, but also it's ending that drought in Ohio Stadium. And at that point, in this, because it's the last game of the year, Ohio State's probably not getting into the playoffs. And depending on how some other things shape out with Penn State and Michigan when they play, that might cost them a trip to the Big Ten championship game as well. So you're taking that possibility off the table, but also a chance at winning a national championship.
0: I mean, this reader doesn't say it, but if Ohio State had loses to Michigan, does that presumably mean they also didn't win at Penn State? So yeah, you're definitely talking about no trip, not only to the big to the Big Ten championship game, but but definitely to the playoffs. It's taking you out of playoff contention whatsoever. So that was literally the only reader of the many that responded or listener, or texter, or whatever, how we want to categorize our, our friends of the pod, uh, who said that they believe it's going to happen in 2020. The most popular answer was the answer that Doug and I gave, which is they think it's going to happen in 2021. And I was actually fairly relieved to hear that because, and maybe I'm not giving Ohio State fans enough credit. I know I'm new to this community, but I do kind of get this sense and we're going to get this sense in some of the other answers. Cause this wasn't an exclusive answer across the board, but I did get a sense that there is a portion of this fan base that now has relegated Michigan to such a low status. And maybe the score of the last two games has played into this. So Michigan's played a role in why these fans might think that, but there's, there's fans who relegated Michigan to a second tier status as far as being any kind of a threat. And That I think is a a dangerous way to think. I I think it's very, when you look at all the variables and we may not go into this very long because, because Doug and I already kind of laid it out. And a lot of our text answers were following up on what we've already said. But when you lay out all the potential reasons, 2021 seems like a very reasonable year for Ohio state to go into Michigan stadium and for the Wolverines to be able to pull out a win, just based on what we know about what those rosters might both look like in the fall of 2021 do you consider it kind of a, I mean, I think it's like a positive, it's a healthy thing that there's a pretty big portion of the Ohio state fan base that can analyze what these rosters are going to look like in 2021 and say, Hey, that might be the year that this stops.
2: So here's the problem I have with you guys picking 2021. You're right with a lot of the variables. If you're talking about a first year starting quarterback, you're losing a lot of guys. If if guys step up in this 2018 class finally becomes the, starts to show the reasons for why they were the number two class in the country, then a lot of those guys are probably going to leave. And that stuff is all true, but Michigan's going to have a similar situation at quarterback in 2021. If Dylan McCaffrey wins the job this year, that doesn't mean he's going to keep the job. And that not mean he's a starting quarterback in 2021. They might have a true freshman starting as well. And JJ McCarthy, the number 15 player in the country, number two pro style quarterback, a five-star kid himself. So we might be talking about a game where it's a, if Kyle McCord wins, it's two true freshmen playing each other in the Ohio State-Michigan game, which is, shows you just how far college football has come. Or you could be talking about a situation where, yes, Ohio State has a starter, but at least their starting quarterback has been at the college football level and within their system for a year if Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud wins, while J.J. McCarthy is a starter. So I think there are some a lot that's going to be going against Ohio State in 2021, but there's going to be just as much if Michigan decides they want to pick their true freshman five-star quarterback to be their starter as well. That's part of the reason why I can't, it, it makes sense. But when you look at it from that point of view, if both of these guys might be coming here with inexperienced quarterbacks, it levels the playing field a little bit.
0: I guess here's what I would say. It's really, really, really difficult to project what the real roster, the real lineups are going to look like anything beyond like two years into the future and so it's hard for me. It was hard for me to like pinpoint a year once you get past like 2022 or 2020, maybe 2023. It just gets really difficult to start making those projections. We just don't know anything about what rosters are going to look like that far down the line. And the combination of what seemed to be like you have also said that there are some factors that could line up. In favor. It's just, it's the year of the foreseeable future where Ohio State seems the most vulnerable to have that loss happen. So, uh, some of the answers we got from our tech subscribers, and for those of you who haven't subscribed yet, 614 350 3315. Please hop on board. We had several people jump on board last week. Our numbers actually went up the week that Doug Reese was off. I don't think that's a correlation, no,
2: it's not, but it's I don't not. dismiss it. It's not a coincidence. I'll say that. I'll just say. I think
0: think it's probably coincidental, but I'm not sure.
2: I think there are a lot of people who love Doug, but I also think there are some people who love what we're doing. And I also think, you know, the recruiting stuff we're starting to give every day has, has played a big role into that as well. And we're going to keep ramping that up for you guys.
0: From the 614, Michigan will beat Ohio State after the effects of climate change are fully felt in the Midwest and the world has turned into a post-apocalyptic <laughs> land untenable for human existence. But in all seriousness, maybe 2021 with Stroud is still finding a stride as a starter. It's hard to say that they will ever make traction in the rivalry where Harbaugh is coaching and they continue recruiting at a level incomparable to OSU. I'm going to come back to both of those points later, both the kind of science fiction aspect of this which some people really took that and ran with it later on in our answers and then also the harbaugh thing we're going to come back to that because people had some opinions on that uh from the 909 michigan will beat ohio state next year in ann arbor 35 to 17. ohio state will be breaking in a new quarterback and will have lost a lot of exceptional talent over the previous few years michigan will have mccaffrey and whoever up and running at full tilt i'll say or whoever up and running at full tilt and the recruiting is not terrible don brown will have his day michigan coaches have been vociferous this year regarding the game i think they're trying to catch up with us on emphasizing that i just think we will not be able to overcome the preponderance of circumstances and i kind of mentioned that i think earlier that you know jim harbaugh and some other assistant coaches are kind of starting to i think they heard some of the comments that were coming from the ohio state side of things people saying that they've talked to players at michigan who don't take this game as seriously and now i think michigan's coaches are st- I think that rattled some feathers. I think they're they're starting to, to try to catch up with that. I think the reader's right. Um, from the three three oh, a long list of answers. Um, including, you know, Michigan will have a second-year starter at QB. Good chance Michigan has all five starters on the offensive lineback. The game is in Michigan, and they put a projection on it. Michigan wins 31-30, but Ohio State fans catalog this game with the 2011 game because of what transpires, which they were also talking about some odd fluky things potentially happening. And then Ohio State goes on to win another 10 in a row. I I will say this. A lot of people who were picking the 2021 game to be a Michigan win were then immediately following up with it and saying, oh, but then Ohio State's going to go on and just win. Another long streak wait, after wait,
2: that. If, if so, if, if he's going to compa- – if they're comparing it to 2011, are we saying that Ryan Day is going to get fired because some random thing is going to happen where the entire program falls apart and that's how Michigan once again gets to win? Because I'm not going to rule it out because things happen every day, but I'm also not going to lean on that's going to be something that – because of what Urban Meyer has kind of put in place here and left Ryan Day with, He's in a situation where he got handed a nice Porsche and seems to be – he told him to drive my car well, and he's driving it pretty well right now and putting quality gas in it. So I don't know if 2011 is the proper analogy to use.
0: No, I don't think they're saying that it's going to be like this cataclysmic flip the whole program over kind of moment. I think they're just saying that because that's the year where there seems like there's going to be a dip – talent wise you're going to have again first year starting quarterback um guys really significant guys leaving at a lot of positions on both sides of the ball that you really are turning things over to just a, a much younger group on both sides of the ball that the the talent level is going to dip it won't be the the reason in the way that 2011 did but i think that's what they're saying is going to be the similarity that that was that ohio state had to come back down to michigan's level more than michigan Achieved and went up to Ohio State's level and won the game, if that makes sense. I think that's the distinction they're making there. So I sort of broke these down as I was, as I was cataloging the responses. I broke them down to year by year for those first couple years, and then a category that I called soon, a category that I called later, and then a category that I called really later, and then a category I called never. So we're going to kind of run through each of those. We have one vote for 2022, um, a vote for 2023. Um, from Brad from the 419 Michigan will next beat Ohio State in 2023 after 11 straight Buckeye wins that game will be in Ann Arbor Harbaugh will be gone and UM will finally have a quarterback that can put up big numbers and actually compete with Ohio State so I'm gonna jump right into that because several people mentioned that that they don't think this rivalry will see a Michigan win until Jim Harbaugh leaves. Uh, from the six three zero, I don't think Michigan will beat OSU until the second season after Harbaugh is replaced. He doesn't have it and doesn't appear he ever will. He isn't able to get his players to play up to the hype of the game. OSU has a countdown, and the coaches are always talking about it. I live in Michigan, and it is an afterthought here. Friends who are fans of the team know Harbaugh can't win it. It will take a new staff one year to build up to that, so I say second season after Harbaugh is gone. And from the 5-1-3, with my answer, I unfortunately can't give an exact season, but Michigan, and actually they had – The first one I just read had X-Ishigan. This one has asterisk-Ishigan. Won't beat OSU until they fire Jim Harbaugh. I truly believe the way he approaches the game is wrong, and that's why he's lost five in a row. If Justin Fields, a native kid from Georgia, can tell the difference in the way each program prepares for the game, then Harbaugh is clearly not doing something right. Again, we we talked about this. I I feel like – I don't know that I agree with that. I I think Jim Harbaugh can beat Ohio State. Do you think Jim Harbaugh can beat Ohio State?
2: No, I don't. I don't think they can beat Ohio State. I think – They will get as close, I think, as what 2016 was as an example where it comes down to a spot. I think that those situations are his best chance, and it doesn't seem like that's going to happen now because of the – because what happened after that game? They went and got Ryan Day, who has revamped the quarterback room, and Ohio State's an offensive powerhouse right now where I don't think Michigan can score enough to beat Ohio State because it's not like Ohio State is keeping Michigan to – to seven points or 10 points, Michigan scored a decent amount in 2018 and in 2019. They just couldn't score at the level that Ohio State is scoring at. And as long as they have the offensive mind that Ryan Day is, and that play-calling ability, and they're now recruiting quarterbacks at the level they are, and you see Brian Hartline recruiting wide receiver talent that he is, and Stud is starting to get offensive top 100 offensive linemen left and right and it seems like the running back recruiting gets back on track at least 2021, you know, still, you know, suggests to that. I don't think Michigan is going to be putting itself in a position where it can score enough to at least keep up with Ohio state to where when the fourth quarter rolls around, it's close enough that they can, you know, maybe climb up and get them once. That's part of my issue.
0: I will say that 2018 didn't just mark when they went and got Ryan day or 2017. Um, after the 2016 game it wasn't just that they went and got Ryan Day they also went and and put Dwayne Haskins behind center and Justin Fields behind center I think that has uh, has also been a factor in why these two games last two games have gone the way they did and I think again next year we just don't know who's going to be the quarterback we don't know how ready they are to go into a place like Ann Arbor and win a game like that um, that's why I still say 2021 just makes them a little it's one of the reasons why they're more susceptible because right now there is a question mark at quarterback. Your point being that Michigan's question mark exists is fair, but Ohio State's the one that's going on the road. Ohio State's the one that could have other question marks in a lot of other places. Jumping ahead. So like I said, there were several people answering you know, 23, 24. We get you know kind of one answer for every year for a while. But several people who don't think that this is going to happen for a long time. In fact, there was the, the category that I called never with a question mark from the 773. I feel as though this question is asking, at what exact time do you think it's going to rain next week? Like the chances are good it rains, but by great orange raven, how am I to predict such an exact time? Nothing I've seen from Michigan shows me they will beat Ohio State in the near future, but yes, like any rivalry game, they will win at some point. Uh, From the 3-3-0, picking the day Michigan beats Ohio State again is too tough. Same as asking, when will Vanderbilt beat Alabama? That's bound to happen Sunday too, but who could predict when? And that's another example of, I don't know, that to me is not a correct analogy. I know that Ohio State's been beaten up on Michigan. I know that it's gotten lopsided the last couple of years, but the to to say it's the same as Vanderbilt and Alabama, I think is no. a bridge too far.
2: No, that's 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 Illinois and Ohio State is Vanderbilt and Ohio State, but uh, in, in Alabama, excuse me. But it's still a, a decent game. It's just you know the offensive firepower is just showing on one side than the other. But no, it's not. They're not. I don't. Ohio State's not in a position where at some point in the next three years they're going to win one of these games sixty three to seven.
0: From the 202, is never an acceptable answer. If the foreseeable future means Ryan Day as coach, I'm on record, it won't happen. Michigan needed the lost Luke Fickle season to win the last one. If it happens, 2023, because of the starting QB gets injured and the glut of QB talent in 2021 means they lose all potential backups to transfers. Uh, So again, kind of saying that something pretty cataclysmic has to happen to even open the door for Michigan. Uh, From the 608, with how both teams are recruiting currently, I honestly don't see a way Michigan can win other than predicting injuries and turnovers I'd say after Ryan Day leaves and if our new head coach was a dud that would be the time it's interesting to me that after the one season there seems to be this absolute certainty among the fan base that Ryan Day absolutely from at least a portion of the fan base that Ryan Day is going to just own Michigan and that Jim Harbaugh can never ever beat Ohio
2: State and that might be the case I think I think we have kind of alluded to this in the past. Maybe Michigan needs whatever, you know, Ohio State's version of Jim Trestle was, where Jim Trestle would come. He came in and and was standing in St. John Arena and went, we're going to win the rivalry. He made that a point that they were going to beat Michigan. And not to say that Harbaugh hasn't, you know, kind of revived Michigan's program there because there were some lost years, 100%. But I am to the point of what Justin Fields said. He did come in as a guy from Georgia who's here for 12 months and realized very quickly that how serious Ohio State takes rivalry. Maybe that needs to be who Michigan's next coach is is a guy who takes it that seriously to the level of what Ohio State does it to where you know, Ohio State players do Michigan abs every day. Chris Olave told us they do Michigan abs every day. They do something every day to make those players hate Michigan more and more because they associate it with something they don't like. And it doesn't seem like Michigan is doing that. So maybe the next coach, that's his job. Uh, Harbaugh has gotten things back on track as far as Michigan isn't a laughing stock anymore. And maybe whoever is is the guy who emphasizes the rivalry in a way that Harbaugh didn't during his time here.
0: But I think Doug made a good point that if you're the head coach at Michigan and you make this game, if you make kind of success at Michigan, a referendum on whether or not you beat Ohio State, that's dangerous. In this era of college football right now, I think that's dangerous because the separation Ohio State has put out there. I I think I understand why Michigan's coaches are now trying to put more emphasis on that. Maybe they're trying to play catch up a little bit. But I think it was probably correct of Jim Harbaugh in some ways to not make your whole job about whether or not you beat Ohio State at all. Because right now, that doesn't seem like a a fair question on a year-to-year basis. Ohio State is just – is a is a tier above where Michigan is I think if and and the next coach it'd be interesting to see if if Harbaugh doesn't last for much longer if the next coach comes in and tries to do something like Jim Tressel did and do the reverse of that and and have kind of his Michigan man moment in that way because again it's putting a lot of pressure on one game if you're having an otherwise okay season but you can't beat Michigan right now at, at, or it can't beat Ohio State right now in Michigan I think you can still save face at in that circumstance, I think it makes it tougher. Um, I want to get to some of the really creative answers that we got from our tech subscribers. A lot of you really went out there with with some interesting, like very detailed descriptions, and we love them. So I'm I'm gonna I want to get into those right now. From the two one six, these all went under the really later category. So people who are looking like up to a decade or more into the future. I'm gonna say 2029 from the two one six. I was thinking perhaps one because of the inexperienced quarterback and O-line as well as an uncertain defense then I remembered prior to 2019 we had an inexperienced QB O-line and an uncertain defense we've been recruiting too well by the end of November experience isn't as big a factor plus there's no way Don Brown is able to slow down Garrett Wilson Fleming Smith and Jigma Williams Amika Egbuka G. Scott and Trevion (laughs) Henderson you'll notice that some of those players are not actually even committed to Ohio State let alone signed. yeah I will say 2027 because it will be in Michigan and perhaps, but hopefully not Ryan Day has gone to the NFL after winning a couple championships. Also, I think after Hobart goes 0 and 7 against OSU in 2021, he'll be gone. And by 2027, the new coach parentheses, whether that be Fleck Campbell or whoever will have built up the program enough to take advantage of OSU during a transition as much during a transition as head coach Corey Dennis takes over. Wow. P.S. I only said head coach Corey Dennis to hear Doug go berserk. There were some questions we got about whether, doug was listening to the pod last week listening and uh whether his head was just exploding as he heard us say things or heard readers say things that he didn't get to respond to and mm-hmm. i think he absolutely will listen to the reader responses from this pod if he's not reading them and his head absolutely will explode
2: i think that that reader that texture makes a valid point though not the cordless part that's just that's all but the the idea of Michigan getting Ohio State in a year of a transition of a coach. And they weren't able to do that with Ryan Day because, like I've already said, Ryan Day got handed the portion and was told, don't crash it. Who knows if that's the same situation if Ryan Day does decide in seven or eight or nine years that he's ready to take on a new challenge at the NFL level? Who says a lot of those things that, that were in place when Ryan Day got here are still, who says some of those things don't go with him? Who says some of those things are still in place? who says Larry Johnson is still coaching. You know, maybe Brian Hartline, who right now says he, does, he doesn't see the need to go anywhere else. Maybe he changes that by that time and does feel the need to maybe go to the NFL level as a position coach or start to climb that proverbial ladder of college football coaching. So it, part of it is, you know, the, the transition was so smooth from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day that it made it almost impossible to catch Ohio State slipping in that regard. It might not be that case when, if Ryan Day decides to leave here in seven years.
0: So that was 2027. We had a few 2027 answers, but not nearly the farthest in the future people were looking for the end of this winning streak for the Buckeyes. From the 4-4-0, 2035, head coach PJ Fleck is in his sixth year at the helm of TTUN after replacing Harbaugh before the 2030 season. Harbaugh leaves after going an unprecedented 0-15 against the Buckeyes, but winning a national title in 2025 after playoff expansion. Back to 2035, first-year Ohio State head coach Brian Hartline ends his first year coaching the Buckeyes with a devastating loss to TTUN and falls out of favor with OSU fans everywhere. Boy, that is just encapsulating so many nuggets from the last two weeks of Buckeye talk. It, It could have been written by a robot maybe, or a a computer that just goes through and like listens to Buckeye talk and then comes up with an answer using little snippets of everything we've talked about for the last couple weeks. Speaking of robots, let's move over to an answer from the 734. The year is 2092. With half of the Ohio State football team having been called up by the military to fight a robot invasion brought about by a rogue AI, Jackson Harbaugh, the great, great grandson of early 21st century Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh leads the Wolverines to the first victory in the game in 81 years. Of special note is that Michigan's last victory in 2011 was to then interim head coach Luke Fickle. It is Fickle's great-grandson, Jaden Fickle, head coach of the depleted Ohio State team, who has now suffered the first loss to Michigan since the early 21st century. And if you thought that was far out in the future, let's go to the 646, where the answer is the year 2234. Michigan scores a field goal on the opening drive. Upon the ensuing kickoff, the hydrogen-uranium core in the robot referee malfunctions, resulting in a small nuclear explosion and the annihilation of the big house. Michigan is declared the winner. Doug LaMaurice, the 15th, having called in sick due to a sore throat developed in screaming at the television, is the only surviving Ohio State sports writer and writes the, quote, I told you so story the family has been waiting 230 years for. That's one of the... Most incredible answers given in the history of Buckeye Talk. I know I've only been here for six months. I would, I would put that answer up against anything anybody has ever said, and I almost hope that that comes to fruition. And yeah. I can't even count how many, how many games. What is that? Two hundred thirty years that it um, would go between between victories in the, in the rivalry. But um, it I
2: needs think to that, happen now. I think that that the answer needs to be put in a time capsule so we can pray it actually happens so they can open up this time capsule and call this man a person a genius.
0: Doug Lamarice the 15th. Do you think someone will proudly be using that name? I'm Doug Lamarice the 15th I in mean, the
2: year 20, 30,
0: 2234.
2: I'm really hoping not just because that's a lot of people named after the same person, and that's just a lot. It's, I, it could, it doesn't, it's not even a, a dog thing. It could be Steven Means the 15th. It's like At some point, someone's got to get creative, man, and switch this up. I will say this.
0: I don't believe if, if, the, um, if the family genes do survive for the next 200 and some years, I don't believe Doug Maurice the 15th will call in with a, sick th- with a sore throat. I believe he will show up for work with that sore throat and use that condition to somehow make his coworkers miserable. Just by complaining about it and um, and 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 still screaming at us, I don't think I don't think the sore throat will prevent him from bringing the volume that the Lamaries family is
2: known for in that. If, there's, sense. if there's a Doug Lamaries the fifteenth, they need to do they need to just like freeze the actual Doug Lamaries so he can come back just for that game.
0: So Doug Lamaries will be back here tomorrow on the Daily Pod on Tuesday, <laughs> and he can speak for himself about this and. Any number not of a, other. Not
2: a, he hasn't been frozen. That's the, he will just be back. That's himself. <laughs> uh,
0: he will be back here speaking for himself and, and probably catching up on a lot of, of nonsense that we talked about over the past week. Steven, you will not be around. So we wish you well. Enjoy your week on furlough as much as you can. And we'll have see you back here next week on Buckeye Talk on a whole host of other topics.
2: Yeah, I'll just be running errands. Um, if you see me in the grocery store, say hi. If you see me at the car dealership, I'm probably going to be miserable waiting for them to get finished with my car. But yeah, you just bought a car. Oh no. I know. It's like, so, okay. So let me do this. Let me explain to people what I'm doing with this car. I got that other car when I was about 15 or 16 years old and I drove it and cheated it the way that you would expect a 15 or 16 year old to treat a car. And so because of that, by the time it was done, it was a hazard to myself or other people around me. The brakes did not work. I almost got an accident on my way home one day because the brakes weren't working and they just randomly let out. So I am trying to be a more responsible adult and take care of this car, which means like every six months when you need to get the tires rotated and all the oil changes and all that stuff, I will be doing all of that. I am trying to, you know, just treat my car better than I treated the last one so that when it's time to get a new car, it's not, you know, a walking death machine any more than cars already are when you really think about it.
0: I'm going to make a prediction based on my own experience you know how long that dedication to doing that maintenance every six months is going to last it's going to last about a year and a half about six months yeah,
2: yeah. oh yeah you yep. know what's going to be yeah. <laughs> oh
0: yeah you'll be behind the next, by <laughs> the next six
2: months because what will happen is december will roll around and we'll be in the middle of the season and i'm going to be thinking i'm not going all the way over there just to get a car fixed up no so i'm well, going to use furlough to do it steven
0: enjoy your adventures in car maintenance for the rest of you. Please join us the rest of this week on Buckeye Talk. And that was Buckeye Talk.